Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Movie, a curated streaming service showcasing exceptional films from around the globe. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Father of mine, tell me where have you been? You know I just closed my eyes, my whole world is up here. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Rob and Barr. Hey. We also have Bill Graham. Yeah, we do. All right. And with us today to talk about the film The Father, a special guest, it's Tiber. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm about as well as could be expected. I just got my last, my second jab yesterday, so I'm, uh, oh. so I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little crappy, but that means I'm feeling good. <laughs> I was about I to say, yeah, that's Thursday. <laughs> yeah, Mazel Tov. Yeah, well, I'm excited because I am so ready to get back to critic screenings, whenever those are. Right. Well, what are those? I'm, I, no, I <laughs> pipe it into my living room. That's what I'm used to. Yeah, the yeah. thing I'm the looking forward the... to the least is probably critic screenings. <laughs> oh, God, that is so you. I'd rather go to like the dentist, in all honesty, than go to a critic Jesus. screening. I love going to the dentist. That's right. <laughs> And I also love critic screenings. Critic screenings are I the love critics. <laughs> I like critic screenings. I don't, I, I'm not a big fan of uh, public screenings. Critic screenings are just as bad as public screenings, except you expect people to be better. And that's just a mistake. You know, just go to the public <laughs> screening where people like movies. I know and... too many people at the at the critic screening. I can fucking yell at them. So <laughs> and, and I don't I, I I don't I don't fear any of them. <laughs> so oh, there's a history of some of the people at the public screenings. Um they're, they're the regulars are some hardcore regulars and they can misbehave if they're guests like the directors or the actors on a publicity tour. Um, yeah. They're, they're, there's one guy who's been seen, you know, eating pizza off the floor and, uh, you know, they're just, they're a special breed of cat. Let's just put it that way. I wonder if we're thinking <laughs> of the same person. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I would hope that there's not like a bunch of people that you could apply that to. There's a few. Uh. There was My a very is, yeah yeah there was a very dear sweet um, mildly disturbed uh, elderly lady that whenever there would be a Q and A with a filmmaker at one of the public screenings she would stand up and raise her hand and she'd ask for a hug she'd say can I have a hug oh no yeah and sometimes she got one and she was very happy well, I mean I guess the squeaky cute. wheel. <laughs> it's better than asking them to read your script. I mean, it's it's asking for consent, and <laughs> oh, I'm always Jesus. into that. <laughs> True, but yeah, a little bit awkward when that's your that's like your line to people. <laughs> well, well, that's it's a good thing that that wasn't happening during COVID. Then, so yeah, it would be an easy sidestep. Like no, <laughs> and so is eating pizza off the floor. Okay, well, I've done worse this, in New York this, City. I'll be honest. What this, this got done? derailed real quick. <laughs> Uh, yes. Um, before we before we get into everything, Ty, would you like to introduce yourself to our listening audience? Hello. Uh, my name is Ty Burr. I am currently and have been for a long time the uh, film critic at the Boston Globe uh, since 2002. Um, before that, I was uh, worked at Entertainment Weekly for about 11 years, doing just about everything except for front film, film criticism. I came to the Globe to do that. Um, and I live in Boston. I've written a couple of books. Um, I teach a bunch of courses. I write a bunch of film criticism. 
Awesome. Well, we are very happy to have you here Uh, once again to help us talk about The Father, uh, the new film that is, this is a, is this, where can people, where can the public see this now that we've already talked about our critics privilege? Is this, is this out on VOD at the moment or do you Uh, You know what? I will tell you in just a second. Awesome. Well, while you do that. Uh, I will say that this movie is directed by Florian Ziller and stars Anthony Hopkins amongst a bevy of other incredible actors. And uh, I can't wait to talk about it. Um, it can be rented. It can be rented at Amazon, Google Play, YouTube, Fandango, Now, Vudu, Microsoft, Redbox, or DirecTV. Awesome. Yeah. So it is firmly in for, the VOD for twenty dollars. Twenty dollars. Not a, for twenty dollars. It's not a two ninety nine rental. Well, I think we, it's worth it. In my opinion, I do too. All right. Well, we're just spoiling our thoughts for the review section, I see. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Before we get into that, uh, the usual upfront stuff, you can follow us on Twitter at Film State Show, Facebook, The Film State Show. Email us, podcast at thefilmstage.com. And, of course, give us a comment and a rating on iTunes. Uh, Don't forget that you can go to patreon.com slash thefilmstageshow. And for as little as $1 an episode, you can become a patron of this here podcast. And we are also brought to you by Mubi. The curated streaming service that showcases exceptional films from all around this wide world of ours. Every day, movie premieres a new film, whether it's a timeless classic, a cult favorite, or an acclaimed masterpiece. It's guaranteed to either be a movie you've been dying to see, or one you've never heard of before, and there will always be something new to discover. They've got some interesting stuff uh, coming out. They've got a little series coming out, 70s Terror, Argento, and Romero. And um, in order to celebrate these two uh, singular, I guess is the best way to put it, artists, they've got some stuff <laughs> coming to their platform. Uh, for Argento, they have Cato Nine Tales. And for Romero, they have The Crazies. Oh, that's a good movie. And that's one of his lesser known movies. And it's a fine, fine film. Indeed. So if you would like to check out either of those films, amongst the many, many other films that are on Mubi right now, you can go to mubi.com slash filmstage for a free 30-day trial. Again, that is mubi.com slash filmstage for a free 30-day trial on us. And uh, that's it. So, um, yeah, does anyone have anything else that they wish to talk about before we talk about The Father? Good times. All right. So that means we can get straight into it. I will say one thing, which is Florian Zeller, I think, is having another adaptation of his work coming out, and it's called The Sun. Yes. The Sun. I made a joke on Twitter, and I said, I can't wait to see who they get for the final film in the trilogy, The Holy Spirit. Oh, such a Catholic. That is a very Catholic (laughs) thing. But I mean, like, it's just, you can't, I mean... What else? You where is not. there to go? <laughs> What's the difference between the Holy Spirit? These and the are Holy the Ghost? jokes. These are the jokes. There is no difference. They are the same thing. So what would? What's the change in the diction then? I think because as I, I, you know, I don't know. It's all translated from Latin and Aramaic, you know. <laughs> so I think that it's at a certain point they're like, "Ah, spirit, is that like you know." Is that what we, we want? Just do the should Holy we do ghost. ghosts? You know, <laughs> nah, maybe not. Maybe we should go back to spirit. I mean, like that's the thing is everyone's like, oh, the the things that come to visit, uh, what's his face, Ebenezer Scrooge, they're ghosts, yep. but they call them spirits, and so who even well, can say? I, I mean, we all know why. This is this is just to make more money overseas in China, right? It's it's because <laughs> of their <laughs> because we you can't have ghosts. Cats. <laughs> 
Can we just cast Casey Affleck as the ghost and put a sheet on him? And oh, that would be <laughs> Does he have dead children in the movie? That's what I want to know. Uh, so there if- actually is a third Florian Zeller play called The Mother, which oh. was actually, I think, the first one written. So there's the mother, the father, and the son. Gotcha. And of course, the mother's always last. Yeah. Well, I mean, he wrote it first, but it's Hollywood, you know, so you're not going to greenlight that one. Right. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Got to build up that credit, that cachet. Got to get Meryl Streep. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Florian Zeller obviously needs someone to help him with his titles because, (laughs) good Lord. Um, (laughs) Anyway, uh, yes, this is not in any way related to the movie The Wife. (laughs) Every movie is The Wife. Every movie is The Bad Wife, The Good Wife. Or just The Wife. Hitman's Bodyguard's Wife. (laughs) Jacob's Wife. We we never hear a single word about the, the father's wife in that movie. I I realize I'm getting ahead of myself, but it just... (laughs) Not a word. Not a word. We never once hear about Olivia Coleman's mother. Yeah, spoiler. Or Olivia (laughs) Williams's mother. Yeah. Even more of a spoiler. Oh, man. the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) uh, so The Father, it is out now. It is able to be seen on VOD and apparently in theaters. And we are here to talk about it. Uh, Basically... This is a movie wherein Anthony Hopkins. This so this is the yeah I yeah I'll just go with whatever they've written on IMDb and then I'll tell my anecdote later. A man refuses all assistance from his daughter as he ages. As he tries to make sense of his changing circumstances, he begins to doubt his loved ones, his own mind, and even the fabric of his reality. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, as we said, this is a $20 rental, so more imperative than ever is what our thoughts on it are and whether we think you should see it. So let's play a little bit of the trailer and get right into it. Date of birth? Friday, 31st of December, 1937. You're living with your daughter at the moment? Yes, until she goes to live in Paris. No, Dad, why do you keep going on about Paris? You told me. No, I didn't. I'm sorry, and you told me the other day. Have you forgotten? She's forgotten. Paris. They don't even speak English there. All right. So that is part of the trailer for The Father, movie that we're here to talk about. Tiber, would you like to kick us off with your basic surface level nutshell thoughts on The Father? Sure. Um, without, I mean, there's no way to talk about this without spoiling some of what's going on because kind of the whole movie is about what is going on in, in his head and around him. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a movie that is about um, old age and, um, oh, you know, this is a really cheerful date movie. It's a movie about dementia and senescence um, as seen. And this is what makes it unusual as experienced from the person by the person who is, you know, slipping into Alzheimer's. We see the world the way he does. Um, and the movie which was originally a play, as you pointed out, and really quite a different play. I've looked into that. It was a, it was written in French first, um, La Perle, uh, and then adapted by Christopher Hampton, the the uh, British writer who gave us um, Dangerous Liaisons, among many other things, um, and brought to the screen by the original playwright, Florian Zeller. And it is, for one thing, it is one of the most really precisely almost fiendishly crafted movies I've seen in a while, mm-hmm. uh, and it's which is not apparent when you first are taking it in. But the more you think about it, the more you realize that it's 
almost constructed as a bear trap for this main character, the father played by Anthony Hopkins, um, who is magnificent playing a character who is not the easiest of men and probably never has been the easiest of men and who is fighting like hell to deny the fact that he is beginning to slip away from the world that the world's beginning to slip away from him. Um, he has a daughter, uh, Olivia Coleman, played by Olivia Coleman. I at least sometimes played by Olivia Coleman, at other times uh, it seems to be played by Olivia Williams. Maybe the casting director got confused about Olivia's. Um, there are other things that seem very confusing to him and to us as well. Um, his living room keeps changing about. There's a man reading a newspaper who says he's uh, his daughter's husband. Uh, he keeps talking about um, another daughter that uh, he loves, actually his favorite. And every time he brings her up, everybody gets very, very quiet for reasons he doesn't understand. Um, eventually, we go on this journey with him um, that without ever leaving his apartment takes us away from his apartment. Um, and, and I don't want to say any more than that, other than that, uh, it is, it's a really interesting, like I said, fiendishly crafted ride that spares no one, least of all the main character and least of all the audience. All right. And that's where I'll stop. Excellent. Bill Graham. Sure. So, you know, I, I've I've watched Hopkins for a while now, as as most audience members more than likely have, and uh, you know I think he, along with a lot of other aging actors and actresses, get this kind of stamp that they are sleepy when they perform in their older age, that they kind of you know turn it off a little bit, um, and this is definitely one where he is very much alive and very much uh engaged in in what he is doing so on on that note it really is a a a great thing to kind of watch hopkins kind of back in his element and back in in you know full kind of uh form but beyond just that i think what's interesting about this film and our guest was mentioning a little bit of this as well, but what's so interesting is that it's fairly, I would say in film, it is fairly easy to make a unreliable narrator, right? A unreliable perspective, maybe. Um, you know, you can switch angles, you could do all of these different kind of visual and audio tricks and, and stuff like that. But what this film does more than anything is change small things where it's almost like a horror film where you're trying to look and feel and and figure out what is out of place because it's not glaringly obvious all the time and i think that's what this film does so so well is it puts you in this perspective of trying to second guess even what you're kind of picking up on and that's a really interesting kind of headspace to be in as a audience member when you're watching what should be a fairly straightforward drama in a way right um and so that's that's really what i want to kind of leave audiences with is that this film is doing something really special in just the way it's executing its its narrative and its production and things like that. Um, I haven't seen very many films do this as well as this film does. 
and especially for a relatively young filmmaker, I think mm-hmm. this is his first. Yes, um, it is. So, I mean, it, and I'm sure there is a little bit of translation from, you know, stage to screen, but um, I, I'm just not sure that I've seen someone this confident in what they're doing with with the audience in this way. Um, so hats off to this film. I really, really enjoyed it. All right. Rumbar. Yeah. Um, I mean, I will have to agree with uh, both Ty and Bill. Uh, I really, really love this movie. Um, definitely one of my favorites of 2020 when I saw it back in December. Uh, you know, we have to be honest, there were a lot of movies about dementia last year, or at least that came out within the past year. Um, and some of their metaphors were a little on the surface. Um, you know, you have Relic, which is a horror film about dementia and monstrousness. And there was Dick Johnson is Dead, which was a comedy about facing or a doc- documentary comedy about facing um, your parents' decline. There was Minari, um, which, uh, spoiler, <laughs> spoilers for Minari, but there is a, an incident with elder decline in that film, um, which in some ways represents the immigrant experience or at least speaks to the immigrant experience. Um, and then I think there's also Supernova, which I haven't seen, but I believe that's a, a romance about dementia. Yes. And... I think with a lot of these films, um, especially films like it that I've seen before, um, you know, I was expecting something very straightforward about a a father (laughs) and a daughter and some of the conflicts that arise when when your parents lose their faculties. And what I got instead was a thriller. Like, (laughs) I Mm. I didn't even need a metaphor. It, It, the movie puts you within the mind and the experience of somebody in going through this neurologically. And it's done in a way that is so arresting and I, it totally knocked my socks off. Um, and you, you both have spoken to how the production makes it happen. I mean, I've, I haven't seen finer editing um, in any movie of the past year, for example, and the production design while, while you think it is simple, it is actually not simple at all. Um, we're in a in one particular space that keeps flitting around. And, you know, you can tell, okay, this was definitely adapted from a play. But unlike some of the play adaptations of this past year, um, it doesn't feel stagey. It feels like cinematic in a way that so many uh, adaptations or play adaptations don't feel. I was... I felt I was whooshing along <laughs> with the camera, um, trying to, you know, like you said, Bill, figure out what's missing here. Like, what am I trying to pick up? Um, what, what, what is the truth? What is his real? Like, what is his reality here? What is he imagining? Um, it, it was such a, a harrowing experience to watch that. And um, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about this, but I'm curious if any of you in this room have ever. Um, had a parent or a parental figure gonna go through memory lapses or other kind of neurocognitive events. I I was very strongly reminded of um, when my father had a stroke about 15 years ago and the personality changes that he went through in that short time between his stroke and him passing away and how he really didn't feel like my dad. Um, he was never kind of the same, like either emotionally or just 
I don't know, he was his personality completely flipped. And on the other side of that, which I have kind of written about this before, um, but I grew up with a parent with mental illness. And this movie kind of got me in touch with what her brain space might have been like in some ways, even though she didn't have dementia. Um, but she did have, I guess you would call like a psychotic illness and what hallucinations might have been like for her. Um, I've never been able to put myself in that mental space before in the same way that this film kind of introduced me to. So it was very personal for me watching it, even if I didn't have direct experience. So that's my nutshell. Sorry that took so long. Uh, as as for me, um, I think there's a lot to recommend in this film. I think Anthony Hopkins is, is great in a way that uh, makes you wonder if you've ever seen him be great before. Um, mm. it's so easy to be like Anthony Hopkins when's he bad and then you see him doing his work in this and we talked about Signs of the Lambs earlier and you're like oh maybe he like isn't always good he's just always Anthony Hopkins <laughs> and hmm. he's just that's got- a backhanded compliment sir I I'm pretty sure that if you were to say to Anthony Hopkins, dude, you in Thor as Odin is just like chef's kiss, he would look at you and say, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never played a (laughs) Thor. Um, Like, I think that there are just times when he's like, yeah, I'll I'll do this fucking thing. Sure. And it seems as though he's actually enjoying his work here. Um, And I think that uh, it's great. It's great that the movie uh, predicted how I would respond to the casting of Olivia Coleman and Olivia Williams and started to play <laughs> them against each other. <laughs> Cause I legitimately said, Oh man, Olivia Coleman and Olivia Williams are in this. I'm going to mess them up and switch them back and forth. Every time I talk about them in the podcast and, uh, Hey, what do you know? I get to do that because the movie wants me to. Um, I, I think that there is something about this movie that I'm not sure I uh, like or agree with just in the way that it seems like it's turning. It it almost feels a little too puzzly. It like, I I found myself watching it as though it were some kind of like thriller or a Christopher Nolan movie where I'm like, Oh, the blue shopping bags are on the table or, Oh, she's at the the grocery store. Like I'm going to be able to solve this. Mm. And I don't know that that's how I want to feel about watching a person like slowly lose their faculties. Um, I feel like that, I don't want to say cheapened it, but I feel like maybe it made it a little, a little more palatable in a way that I don't like. I I will say that uh, you are correct. There have been a lot of movies in the past 12 months about, you know, dealing with uh, an aging family member and this movie was scarier than relic which <laughs> yes. i found to be an unbearable movie um so like there is that i mean it, it's hard to deny its effectiveness but i feel like there was a point when i was congratulating myself for slotting a new moment into another new thing and i don't i don't like that i did that and I don't like that the movie seems to be working on that. And it's kind of funny because I was like, oh, Anthony Hopkins, once again, as the, you know, elder statesman actor anchoring 
a work that deals with like tricky timelines and possible like uncertain identities after Westworld. Fantastic. Um, Ugh, I forgot about that show. Yeah, yeah. I watched the first season and was so infuriated by the way the first season ended that I never went back. And I legitimately don't even know how many more seasons there are or if they're still producing them. Uh, there's a, a couple more and they get comp- increasingly confusing. So oh, good. I'm glad I decided right to leave when to. you did. Can I say a word about Anthony? Yes. About Anthony Hopkins? I think one of the reasons this movie is so effective and his performance is so effective is that we... We associate a lot of things with Anthony Hopkins, um, primarily Hannibal Lecter, uh, mm. but he's been around for so long. He's been in so many great movies, and he also has a persona that is, I don't want to say cold, but that mm. is um, British. Aloof, can be, can, no, can be almost cruelly aloof, um, you know, even when he's playing a vulnerable character. And I think one of the reasons this film works is that really not it's not for the first time but it feels as if for the first time he is showing us he's scared his character is scared we see fear in his eyes um he's vulnerable in a way we've rarely seen an anthony hopkins character uh and that it almost is like you know the toppling of a god uh it's um and i do want to say something uh to, to what you said earlier where you said you know he, he plays himself he actually there's a very good um interview done uh, for the AFI film series uh, by um, Claudia Puig, the film critic with Anthony Hopkins, Olivia uh, Coleman, and um, Florian Zeller. And Anthony Hopkins talks about uh, the roles he plays, and he literally says, it's always yourself you're playing. We're all, he says, I memorize the lines and I just show up. It's all there in the text. That's the roadmap. And you're all playing, you're always playing some variant of yourself. So, Maybe he is always playing himself. Hmm. Yeah, and I think I think that 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 interplay of like this is a man who is as well established as being like fierce intelligence and impish wit, and this is mm-hmm. what he's playing now is is kind of brilliant in that way. Um, I also think that Rufus Sewell is also uh, kind of brilliantly cast in this as the person. Shout out to my dark city heads. Yes. The only movie where he's ever played someone who is like, holy good. (laughs) (laughs) And even in that movie, they're still like, yeah, but you might kill prostitutes. So I don't know. Um, But yeah, I mean, in, in general, like I said, I, I, didn't have an issue watching this movie. It's not like the last couple we've watched where I've been like, oh, maybe I should just like not watch this. Maybe I You should. didn't watch it twice? No, I didn't have to watch this twice. Um, I did watch this at the distillery. Uh, it was the only time I had time to watch it. And um, my partner at the distillery, Arthur, is is like, you know, Anthony Hopkins has just screamed like, I'm not leaving this flat. And he says, man, Anthony is just not happy in this movie, is he? And I was like... Yeah, I think I think this whole movie's about him like having dementia or something. And and Arthur just looked at me and said like you need to go to bed. Like you just sound <laughs> exhausted. You don't look like you're having fun. And I was like, it's a movie about a guy with dementia. Of course I'm not having fun. 
But then, <laughs> like I you. said, later on, I was like, ooh, like, there's the bags on the thing. Like, clearly this thing happened before the last thing, but, you know, after the thing before that. And then I was like, oh, now I am having fun and I don't like it. So it's a uh, Let me it's ask you this. Let me ask you this. Is there a movie that deals with this subject that you feel does it less with less gimmick, gimmickry and more honestly? Uh, so, honestly? I mean... Part of me was like, oh, what about Amor? But that's yeah. not so much dementia as it is like she had a stroke and is right. like her her body is betraying her more than her mind is. So, I mean, it's hard to say. Almost anyone that I think that the issue is when you're trying to get that sub- subjective point of view, um, you're you're gonna end up with something that's a little gimmicky because that's just the way it is uh this movie in some ways reminded me of another movie that i absolutely fucking hated from this last year uh called i'm thinking of ending things Mm. Um, sorry ty (laughs) love that movie sorry oh god that's i cannot it is not it is no fun but it is brilliantly done i disagree I, I agree with the first half disagree with the second half of what you said but anyway it, it was it's similar to that where i'm like oh okay i get it but i think in this movie it's i think the um the kind of life or death circumstances and the acting of anthony hopkins and its brevity <laughs> uh moved yeah. it a little yeah. a little better for me i mean it's 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 hard because almost anytime you have someone who is playing someone with dementia in a movie, I think it's one of those roles where someone reads it and they're like, ah, this has Academy Award written all over it. Um, and they say it like that because the spirit of Hollywood takes them over. Um, but I think that in this case, the ghost. in this case, Anthony <laughs> Hopkins is, is so good. And the movie, because it is from his point of view, doesn't make him as much of an odd man out as it makes him, you know, the, the hero at the center who you want to see things win. You know, it's, it's better than like, other movies where something like this might happen and it's like, oh, here's a son who's got to take care of his dad and his dad is played by, I don't know, uh, Robert Duvall and he's just mean all the time because he's got dementia. <laughs> um, this this movie does it a lot better than others that have been out there. But um, it's, it's hard because like I said, it's always going to feel a little gimmicky because it is... It's, it's Otherwise, it might just be too bleak. I don't know. Or, or even... Even worse, it might just be too mundane. It's, I mean, yeah. I, I, I have a friend who is training to be a nurse, and she was talking about how she was in the dementia ward. It can't be the way that she would have put it, but um, it was with <laughs> a lot of older people who have dementia, and she was talking about like the insane confusion and outright violence and the loss of faculties, and she talked about having to clean up uh human feces you know like there's there's mm-hmm. just stuff like that where it's just like it's not a cool tenant-esque time skipping adventure it's just what happened did you find this you? adventurous it sounded it was horrific to watch it was horrific to watch but like i said there was something about the puzzly nature of the way that it interlinked <clears throat> and swapped people out that did it, it it's that kind of thing that it, if you were a person who's watching it, you might get some kind of like jolt from feeling as though you're recognizing what the movie is doing. Hmm. Well, you know? I think I, the reason, the reason it works for me is that 
to me, it's a tragedy. And he's not so much the hero as he is like he's a he's a he's a he's a king. He's like King Lear. He's like Oedipus. Mm. Who's he's this proud, not very pleasant man. He's a patriarch. He rules his little world, and the movie is about him being just inexorably pulled off that throne and humbled um, by what people go through and many people go through. And and I have had um, I've had at least one friend who you know cared for her mother through six long years of Alzheimer's, um, and mm. And it was horrific. Uh, but the thing that she kept coming back to was how scared her mother was. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yes, there's cleaning up shit. There's, there's all this horrible. And I do think the movie is interesting and in that it doesn't at all focus on the bodily um, mm-hmm. decline. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really a psychological thriller as you, or a puzzle, as you put it. But at... Um, at the bottom, to me, it's about the humbling of this proud man by by fate, by bodily circumstance. And it makes you think in the way that Amour, a movie that you rightly brought up, does about what's at the end of the road for all of us, uh, which is not necessarily something we want to think about. But that actually, I think a movie like this that puts it forward in a novel way that engages both our emotions and our mind um, puts us in a position to think about it from a different angle than we usually avoid thinking about it, if you will. Yeah, I think that's true. I think of like, say, a lot of the films that a lot of the big prestigious films last year were about men aging (laughs) or Mm -hmm. were aging out of society. I'm thinking of like the Irishman. I'm thinking of Parasite to some degree. Oh, I thought Um, you meant like last year is in 2020. I was going to be like, Defy Bloods is like all all that. Uh, 2019-ish <laughs> films, Oscar films, let's just say, um, and how the, it's addressed in a way that is very much like when you age out of your profession, when you age out of productivity mm. and capitalism <laughs> to some degree, and this is a whole other dimension. This is when you basically age out of your family because they can no yeah. longer take care of you. Um, Have you guys? Do you guys remember the Julianne Moore movie, Still Alice, the one she yes. won her Oscar for? Yes. Um, which, to my mind, is one of the few movies to really deal head on with, Alzheimer's, in this case, early onset Alzheimer's, which is also yeah. the subject of Supernova. By the way, Stanley Tucci's character in that has early early onset Alzheimer's. He's still, you know, he's like in his sixties, mm-hmm. um, and this is about something rather different. But there are very few movies that deal with the subject, for one thing, because it's fucking depressing. Yeah, I, um, no I don't know how drunk I was in 2015, but I have no memory of Still Alice or Julianne Moore winning the Oscar for this movie. <laughs> oh Lord, honey! <laughs> I um, yeah, damn, I uh, that was one where when it came, it was out. It was like, well, we've been meaning to give Julianne Moore an Oscar for something she's really right. deserving. This is the one we're going to give it to her. Right. She like she keeps making Kristen bad Stewart. choices and yeah. <laughs> we've got to just pounce on this one because we don't know how long it's going to be till she makes another good movie. And I'm really yeah. hoping that's not Glenn Close next week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Oh, Wait, right. So for that, the Hillbilly the one... movie, right? Yeah. Oof. Hillbilly movie wasn't even the worst. It was like far from the worst movie I've ever seen. But the... <laughs> Just, she gave the best performance as Mammy Yoakum that I've ever seen. Yeah, exactly. Like p- slap on a fat suit, put on a fright wig, get me the Oscar. That's really what it felt like. <laughs> get me to the Oscar ceremony on time. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, not not my fave. But overall, I didn't think it was actually that bad on movie. Just a little showy. Okay. Um, yeah. Do well, we want to hop into spoilers to talk about this? I mean, yeah. I know I know spoilers is a weird thing to talk about with this film, but uh, <laughs> I feel like it's it's so funny. We've had kind of a string of films where we're just like, how the fuck do we talk about this movie without <laughs> like spoiling it? So uh, I think I think it's about time we go ahead. Well, I mean, and we've done a it. pretty good job at least this time talking about the movie without spoiling <laughs> it because there's just a well, lot there in the uh, in the subject matter. That's right. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think the only know, way you can really spoil the movie is by Describing the very last scene. Exactly. Right. It's just like uh, spoilers for the movie. No one stole his watch. His watch was never <laughs> stolen. Like um, I know. Like when we watched Shiva Baby, the whole movie is a spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> like, nothing else you could do about it. Yeah. And you know, it's something interesting about the stealing the watch thing. In this, in this um, interview, I was watching with Hopkins. Um, he says he, he talks about his mother, his his own mother, who died like seventeen years ago had dementia and um, her, she was paranoid that people were stealing her jewelry. Mm. Um, and I think this is, uh, you know, it's a, it's a hallmark maybe of this decline, this mental decline, this paranoia. It's just, um, which is, it's really palpable in his performance. Uh, you see mm-hmm. it just flicker in his eyes all the time. Um, but this, this uncertainty of where your shit is. Well, I think, yeah. I think jewelry in particular is one of those things, especially older generation, but it's mm-hmm. one of those things that you carry with you throughout a lot of your life. And it's just one of those things where, you know, your phone is going to change, your, um, you know, your books are going to change, your certain things are always going to kind of come and go throughout your life, your clothing, things like that, your favorite pair of shoes, um, you know, unless you get them re sold you're that crazy person but you know it's just one of those things where i think jewelry is something that people oftentimes hold on for a long long time and so if you have a cherished watch or or a piece of jewelry or something like that and you lose it it's like what the fuck this thing that's been a part of my life for you know 30 40 years or whatever is suddenly gone and you're like freaking out about it. You know, your house may not be the same. Your, you know, everything around you may not be the same, but jewelry a lot of times kind of carries through. Well, let's, so let's, you know, let's begin you by saying that. You touch on a that... really amazing thing. You touch on something, re- you just said something that really struck me. It's almost, it's an actual metaphor for somebody stealing me. This is something mm-hmm. that's so close to me, but at, where am I going? What's, what's going, you know, that that's really interesting that you pointed that out. And a watch too. Time. Yeah. Time. <laughs> exactly. Time. A watch. Masculinity. Um, I was going to say watch. that we need to uh, push back against Bill saying that people who resole their shoes are weird. <laughs> Why wouldn't <laughs> you, you resole that? your shoes? I mean, you're are you that wasteful that you're going to throw out a whole pair of shoes? This is the man that buys the pre-cut onions. That's true. Well. <laughs> that is, he walked, you know, you, like when you're a kid and it's like your idea of wealth is like, if I ever got a million bucks, you know what I'd do? I'd wear a pair of socks once and then throw it away. You know, what? I'd get, I'd get the pre-sharpened pencils and then I'd use it until I had to sharpen it and then I'd throw it away and I'd get a your fresh Your dreams pencil. are sad. These aren't that my dreams, personally. Dream. Like these are things that, like, I have heard children say, where it's like, "What's wealth is not having to reuse something." 
And so Bill being like, oh, God, you're one of those people who goes to like a cobbler or something. <laughs> you call up Daniel Day-Lewis and get him to resole your shoes. Or Adam Sandler. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that was my other <laughs> option for that joke. And I didn't want to make it. Um, I will say myself. Like, you know, Bill makes a good point. Like, you know, uh, there's a lot in your life that changes. But like, you know, one of the things that I own that I have owned the longest is a lighter that I got when I was like, I don't know, 13 with a bunch of friends. (laughs) I'm pretty sure they should not have sold us those lighters, but it's a Zippo. And anytime that I believe that I have lost it, it is like the worst day of my life until I find (laughs) it again. So... Yeah, there's something there about that. Also, it's just that thing of like, it is a singular thing that is also super easy to misplace. And so, sure, if you're the type, if if you've gotten to a point where your mind like won't even let you remember if you checked a room before, it's mm-hmm. easier just to assume that this stranger in your house who's being weirdly nice to you stole it. Mm-hmm. That's funny. He's you- wearing it in front of you. <laughs> yes. This idea of things being stolen is where. Uh, familiar to me um, because one of the hallmarks of my mother's illness was that she believed that people were breaking into our house and stealing her clothes. And if they weren't stealing her clothes, they were replacing the sizes so that everything was mm-hmm. too small on her. Um, that I, you just reminded me of that. <laughs> um, didn't even kind of connect it to this movie, but yeah, have the idea that, Mm, this thing is being stolen from you or changed outside mm-hmm. of your will um, is something that I really, that was like well, th- a, a theme of my childhood to some degree. I never even that's, connected that. that. That's, that's again, it, it kind of goes back though to like, unless you gain or lose a, a, a good amount of weight, jewelry usually is going to fit in a certain way, right? It's, it's around your wrist, it's around your neck, it's around certain body parts that aren't necessarily going to, uh, gain in size very often or, or, uh, easily. Right. And clothing is definitely, you know, I know a lot of people as they age, they age and they start wearing larger clothing, they gain weight. And then you start, you know, kind of hitting a certain point in, in age and you just start dropping weight or, you know, miraculously keep on weight. Uh, I know my grandpa was, was fairly heavy set for most of his life, or at least from my viewpoint, uh, most of his, uh, his time when, when I was alive and it was very shortly before he passed away that he actually started losing weight and it was it was really radically weird to watch him go through that where you know I was always used to him being kind of uh not necessarily uh obese or anything like that but he always had a belly he he reminded me a lot of like santa claus where you kind of look at him and you're like okay he's limber but he's got a big old belly you know and that was kind of all the way always the way my grandpa was and so you know i imagine that he wore the same clothing for a large amount of his life and towards the end there you know it may have changed a little bit and i'm sure that's disconcerting as well when you start you know you may rummage through some clothes and you're like these are all larges like wouldn't when did i wear a large and it's like Mm -hmm. you've been wearing a large for 10 years it's like oh okay 
well, you know, and so it's, it's just one of those things that you can't argue about, but you know, a watch, like I said, a, in, in particular, a watch is usually one of those things that you can kind of strap on and strap off. So, you know, it changes, you, you can easily change it. So, um, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure there's probably notches in certain, uh, watch loops and things like that, that you're like, that's my, that's my notch. <laughs> but, oh God, uh, I can't <laughs> imagine getting emotionally invested in a notch. Well, so, I mean, oh, I can. Uh, yeah, I was about to these, say these belt size changes over the years. Yeah, I absolutely can. I am um, I, I, because I, I, I recently okay. started losing a bunch of weight. I mean, I've I've been no I've my my I can't wear my belt anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I yeah. I was at, that's I was at the last notch, and then I started moving inward, and I was like, oh, that's cool. I like got a I'm I'm down one notch, and now I'm like. I'm going to have to fucking punch more notches in this goddamn thing. Because he doesn't just buy a new belt. No, I mean, this no, is a really re- nice, like, Greek leather shoe. belt that I got as a present once. And I was like, you know, it's, it's really nice. So if I could find a leather punch, I would I would put a hole in it where My I need it. My uncle has one. All right. Well, tell your uncle <laughs> to hit me up. Um and yeah, when I I was losing weight, I had to I had to resize my watch too because it has like a metal band. So unfortunately, I don't have like the oh, there's like the leather part of my watch, and I know which one I punch into. Mm-hmm. But it's just uh, anyway, yeah. So I mean, it's 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 interesting the way that your mind connects things like that as being like yours, and and knowing that there is a part of you that exists that has made that thing that way, and when it starts to change, even if it's positive, like with me. I'm still like, oh, now, well, now what the fuck do I do? Like, this is who I've been for a while. And I can't imagine logging that also on top of, I sometimes don't recognize my daughter and I don't know what day it is. Yeah. My, a a good friend of mine, um, just like a few years ago, got the weight loss surgery and said that she was actually really depressed after it because even though the person in the mirror was getting smaller and, you know, looking better to whatever degree, uh, at least societally, she felt so alien from her body. It was like, she just did not know who was looking back at her and Mm. it caused a lot of dysmorphia in a, in a completely different way. No, that's so I I can see that. I, um, it's, it's one of those things where you, you like, if you, if you have like a, a mental illness or like depression or something and you're constantly like, Oh, like if only I could get a better job, maybe I'd feel better. Or like, oh, if only I could get a better house, I would feel better. Or like, you know, oh, if the grass only is I could always lose... greener. Yeah, it's like, oh, if I could lose weight, I could feel better. But it's like, no, that's not the thing that's making you feel bad. And you don't notice it until you're like looking in the mirror and you're like, oh, hey, I look attractive. I'm going to look so much better in my coffin one day. And you're just like, oh, wow, that <laughs> thought's still there. <laughs> like, that's what I'm going to do with this. <laughs> Good times, always. Yeah, it's the best. <laughs> this is all very interesting because, um, uh, just to get personal for a second, uh, my father-in-law, my wife's dad, um, he's turning ninety next year, next week. Mm, um, congrats! He has, uh, it's he's not in a great place physically. He's he's pretty much there mentally. Um, sleeps a lot, but he's, um, and I watched this movie with him actually. Oh wow! Uh, when it was uh, back in September, when it was at the uh, Toronto Film Festival, um, and I was down in Florida staying with them. Um, and he has lost a ton of weight recently. Um, he's, you know, he's had, he, none, of, none of his pants fit him. He's at that stage in his mm. life. And he, um, 
he loves he loves it when I come down because I bring movies. We watch movies. We sit there all day and we watch movies. Uh, and he very like very much. He watched this movie very soberly, um, because he, I I, he, I think he was he was obviously relating to it. I think he felt a sense of relief that he you know wasn't experiencing the mental decline that the Anthony Hopkins character does. Um, he was very quiet afterwards. We didn't talk too much about it. Um, it was, um, I think it's a, it's a very sobering film for anybody to watch. Uh, but I do know that, I know he liked it and I know that he felt that it was honest. Um, Cause he would have said if he felt he was, you know, it was fucking around with something that he at that point in his life was dealing with very seriously. Um, so that to me was in a weird way, sort of a, a vote of confirmation that the movie um, is, is, is honest about what it's doing. Uh, and, and maybe that speaks to Hopkins's performance, which feels um, pretty true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if he didn't make you sob uncontrollably, then you are, me- you are the one that's messed up. Not Anthony <laughs> Hopkins's performance. <laughs> Yeah, no, at the end of this movie, when he when he's like calling out for his mother, I think that's a very earned moment, Um, Mm -hmm. which is good because like, I think that's the part of the movie that kind of dragged me back over the line to recommending it. Because Mm -hmm. up until that Mm -hmm. point, I think I was a little bit still like, I don't know, this just feels a little too game like for me. Like, I don't know Mm -hmm. that I I don't know that I'm fully feeling the emotional impact of this so much as just the intellectual like oh yes this does feel like what it would be like if this were happening so i i was happy for that moment um to occur to let me know that like everything that i had kind of invested and been watching was in service of what i would call like a meaningful end well it's the moment when all the games don't matter anymore and all that sort of artificial structure of the film goes away yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about uh, some of the other characters in this? Um, you know, I, I really want to kind of talk about uh, Emojin Poots and uh, and some of the other performances. I love Imogen are... Poots so much. Yeah. She's the She's, best. She really is fantastic in this in this very small role and in, in how she interacts with with Hopkins as her his potential like caretaker and stuff like that um i was just really really struck by their interactions in particular um i know when he gives that story about kind of being like a tap dancer and stuff Mm -hmm. like that it it you can just see that he's he's got this kind of devious kind of flirtatious kind of spirit to him that you can tell at that point i can't remember if it's olivia or or (laughs) which olivia it is but like she just seems so exasperated by him because she's just like you're a you're losing your shit but b you're also like hitting on this significantly younger potential caretaker and it's just one of these moments where it's just like he's he just kind of lights up it's it's one of the few Mm -hmm. moments in this film in particular where he's he's very happy about kind of his circumstances and everything like that he's he's telling a story and he's he's very much in his wheelhouse kind of having having a lot of fun and everything like that and you know it it as a lot of things like this, 
I think, you know, we, we've talked about it a little bit, but dementia oftentimes, at least in my experience with, with my grandma, um, goes hand in hand with kind of, uh, I, I can't even remember what it is called at this point um where you you have wild mood swings um but uh you know i I think a lot of times it comes with that where you kind of uh are are heavy heavy highs and then down down lows and it's it's kind of one of those things where you can kind of see that swing in his eyes and uh his mannerisms and everything like that yeah, it's definitely a, a scene that stood out to me um, because it it was one of those things where like, mm, when is the other shoe going to come crashing down? It, mm. I, it, it was like such a light moment in an otherwise not light film that I was just waiting for something bad to happen. But it's also mm. a moment where it, which it's it's almost pathetic because this, this here's an, a guy who is who still thinks he's got it, who's flirt, you know. He's one. Of, he's you know. He's he's being a lech. He's being. He's creeping on this. You know. You know. Twenty eight year old woman, however old she is, um, thinking he's being such a rue. And we look at it through. It's Olivia Coleman through her eyes. Um, as it is. It is kind of. He's charming, but it's also pathetic. And I think the Imogene Poots character. She's she's dealt with guys like this before. You know. It's mm-hmm. it, she's. You know. She knows how to deal with this person, but. We don't see it through. This is one of those moments we don't see it through his eyes. We see it through his daughter's eyes. Um, and you know, I, I go back to the title of the movie, "The Father." It is about a certain patriarchal mindset um, that just sort of assumes, "Yeah, I'm still strong. Yeah, I can still attract the babes. Yeah, I can do all this," and and just you know, undercuts it just by saying, "No, no, this is this is where you are in life. This is this is what's going to happen to you." And and by the way, I I would love to see Imogene Poots someday share a movie with that fine British actress Alison Duty. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Sorry, just had to say it. Oh lord! Did you? <laughs> did you really? <laughs> did anybody else get Borat two vibes? <laughs> Like in hindsight, <laughs> uh, I didn't want to slit my wrist, so no. <laughs> Did you see the second one, Bill? Uh, Brian? Yeah, yeah, we had to fucking watch it for this podcast. Oh, I didn't see that one, or I didn't listen to that one. Oh, it's, um, I mean, it's, it's terrible. I mean, the movie's terrible. The podcast wasn't great. I mean, it was, <laughs> I don't know. No, the podcast was fine. <laughs> God, I don't know. I thought the movie was fine. <laughs> Yeah, I liked it. I liked it well enough. Oh, God. I wanted to... I literally, like, paused it 20 minutes in and was like, guys, you might have to do this without me because this is a fucking terrible movie. But anyway, why did you feel this movie was similar to that excretable piece of crap? Um, Not the movie necessarily, but the moment with Imogen Poots because it just reminded me in... Well, in hindsight, I, I just watched the movie over the weekend. So the scene with... Maria Bakalova and Rudy Giuliani, um, I think, calls mm. to mind that scene for me. It's just like, I don't know. A lot of people had different opinions about the Rudy Giuliani thing than maybe I took away from it. And I, I could be totally wrong about what I witnessed, but it definitely just seemed like an old guy who was just being kind of pathetic. And maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm just not 
activist enough or something, but I kind of felt like bad for him in that moment in the same way that I felt bad for Mm -hmm. Anthony Hopkins kind of going through that whole, like, I'm not a stud anymore. Uh, Or the way that we see it as viewers, not so much the way that either of those men saw it. Um, So I I don't know. (laughs) There's a point at which just trying to be charming when you're that old doesn't work i don't like that sounds terrible but i don't know if that's uh, true across the board um i mean if that were true then we would see a lot fewer older men married to younger women um i do think though that the i don't i I, i'm for me personally i didn't like with with the rudy giuliani thing i was like well this guy's just old and probably never had much game to begin with but i actually thought that anthony hopkins in this movie was fine in terms of like what he was doing like his his kind of goofy like aperitif like let's have a drink like blah 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 used to be a tap dancer but like also you've never been in a a woman in that situation maybe i mean i've never been a woman uh i could not ever be a woman so yeah that is true (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I, <laughs> I mean, you know, I could. I've never been a cat being chased by a velociraptor either. Like, yeah, that's awesome. Like, I don't know. No, I, I, I think, I think what Robin's saying though is, is there's a certain amount of, um, you know, kind of putting yourself in in someone else's shoes and to have that happen when you're supposed to have kind of a professional relationship with this person. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're supposed to be taking care of them, and and you're getting you know a a story that ultimately isn't fucking true at all as well. Like, right. is it, it, you know, and it's just like, you know, and I imagine you're, you kind of end up in kind of Olivia Coleman's shoes where you're just watching your father just kind of make an ass of himself in a yeah. way. And, you know, like I, I, I get it that it's Anthony Hopkins. So of course it's fucking charming. Right. But it's also, Anthony Hopkins playing in and a much older man going through dementia, lying his ass off to this woman that he has no real reason to like lie to. Like he's like, what are you doing in this moment? But he's not trying to. He's not, young. His, he's yeah, not trying to like flirt with her. He ends up fucking insulting the shit out of her. But but flirting with her lets lets him feel that he's still young that he that it's what's happening is not actually happening that's why he flirts yeah i i don't know that i agree with the read on the scene even a little bit um i don't think that he was flirting or trying to be romantic i think that he was trying to prove that his mind was not going and at some point he got mean with it like i don't think he's trying to like assert any kind of like impish puck like charm or anything i think he's just trying to be like oh everything's normal like there's a guest like i'm gonna entertain the guest in this way and um like you know just and then i'm gonna i'm gonna switch to mean to prove that i am not this this you know dancing buffoon that you think you saw and that you didn't get a read on me but i got a read on you i would almost buy that except for the casting I think they were very specific in choosing a young, Mm. cute, 
white woman when mm-hmm. a lot of people who are in these kinds of roles are not cutesy little white women. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. I guess I don't know. I don't know how that affects the read. Because we're supposed to see that, in my opinion, we're supposed to see the the flirtatiousness, the that power grab that maybe he is used to when he is around younger women. And again, we don't know super much about what his life was like or his professional life was like before he got older. But I could really imagine somebody who was some kind of head honcho and constantly having these conversations with with young women um, that he might or might not have power over. And again, that's, I'm not trying to indict him. Um, he's obviously no, a, no, no, a no, man of, you know, that's his, that's his generation or whatever. But I think it was very specific in the casting and that because of that, what they were trying to get across with that. I think throughout the film, we get these little glimpses of what he was like when he was in his prime. Um, yes. And it's not an easy man. Um, the, the glimpse we get of him when he keeps referring to the uh, spoiler alert, he keeps referring to the other daughter. Um, yeah. And everybody gets it's, kind of it's quiet. Really sad. It's really um, sad. And, and she's clearly not alive and he doesn't remember that she's not alive, but he keeps referring to her as in front of Olivia Coleman's character. Um, oh, oh you, you know, my favorite one, you know, she was my favorite. I loved her more. He basically says that he loved her more. Um, and there's a cruelty to that that he's oblivious to, but that you know was there earlier when he was completely, you know, hale and hearty. We just get we get a picture of him that is not flattering, but that it's, it's, it's of a strong man, but partially a blind man. And that's one, one reason I keep sort of coming back to lining this this very modest in terms of where it takes place play or a drama, but it has echoes of classic tragedy where yeah. you you know this this humbling of a of a you know regal figure um mm-hmm. somebody who was very strong destroyed the earth it's odin and it, yeah. <laughs> it's it, it's odin right with with both eyes um <laughs> uh and so to me there is that tragic aspect of it that carries all the way to the final scene where it's complete yeah I mean, and so much of drama, at least, you know, in the 20th century per se, is about the effects of uh, emasculation. And mm-hmm. although not, uh, I'm not calling him a Willie Loman or something like that, but I think having a man who probably had a lot of power in his in his youth, in his middle age, um, get to the point where he's shouting for his mommy um you know, there is something emasculating about that. Uh, and uh, I mean, I don't think this movie even has, I don't think you would like look at this movie and say, well, this has a lot to say about gender, <laughs> but like, I, I definitely took that away. Um, it's a little there. I, I mean, it's, it's definitely there, especially because of his relationship with his daughter. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, you know, for you, Bill, that scene where he screams mommy and that's your, um, that was like very, very powerful for you. I think the one that, the moments that really, snuck up on me was the one where he is getting abused by what I think is his daughter's partner um, mm-hmm. or somebody is hitting him. And again, it's not clear if that was in his mind or if that's just what we're seeing on screen. Um, well, it also might be the nurse guy. 
potentially again we don't really know and this could be a memory this could be uh, a flashback or a hallucination or something but it it evoked uh, you know, the topic of elder abuse, which is really mm. not discussed enough, I think, and it's very, very prevalent um, and something that, like, sickens me, <laughs> like, really, really sickens me to my stomach. And watching that was just t- almost too hard for me um, to see that. So I think that it, when I am able to appreciate a scene like that, like, I know I'm, I know that I'm having a... Um, a, I'm watching something that's important and powerful and, and effective. Um, and it didn't feel too showy. I think it was just the right amount of what is happening here. Like, why am I watching this? Like, what, I don't know. What was everybody else's interpretation? Of what? Of the scene um, where, I think oh, it's Mark big. Gaddis. Yeah, I think so. I'm trying to remember where that comes. I haven't seen it for about um, three you know, since it was theatrically released, I've seen it twice. Yeah. But where does that scene come? So there's, it like, you get the first part of it early, and then it's, like, maybe the last quarter of the movie when the when you yeah. see it again, and he's he's kind of slapping him, and he's crying. Right. That's right. He's like, uh, why are you doing this? Like, he just, he doesn't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. I don't like somebody slapping Anthony Hopkins. Just don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Protect Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> I really, I ma- think I said that to my husband so many times. Like, like, no, why is he doing? This? <laughs> Did you? Has anybody here seen the uh, Broadway? Pro- I have the Broadway production with Frank Langella in it. No, um, I have not. That would have been. I mean, because there's somebody with equally a very strong persona, but oh, yeah. of a oh, yeah. very, very different sort. Um, and I, I just wonder how that would play out. Um, also, do you know that there was a, a there's already been a film version of this, a French film version of this? I didn't realize this um, in 2015. And, oh. and it's a, a comic version or more. It's got more comedy to it. Oh, um, the fuck the French would. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Is it called um, La Pair or La Pair? No, it's called something? Floride, as in Florida, because he the, the, he wants to go to Florida. Um, oh. It's yeah. Um, and it stars Jean Rochefort, uh, who is 85 years old at the time. Um, I haven't seen it. But it sounds it sounds like a, a, essentially a drama, but with more cute, feisty old man trimmings. Oh, Lord. Yeah, exactly. That's, I'm just looking this up right now. I am. I, I, too, have looked this up on IMDb. And just from the like little snippet of the trailer that was playing and the <laughs> poster, I'm like, wow, I'm glad I didn't watch this. Yeah. Also, definitely thought that was fluoride, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> well, we all need fluoride as we get older. No, it's the fluoride in the drinking water that's giving him dementia. That's right. <clears throat> anyway, um, yeah. So that's interesting. Mm. Um, yeah, comedy drama. Yeah, I, uh, I don't think you know. This is just me saying this off the cuff. I'm pretty sure that uh, you would not see this movie called a comedy anywhere. <laughs> No, but, <laughs> no, I, do, but I, I, I wish I had seen it with Langella. I, it's, it's, it's really interesting to think of different, strong, you know, um, older actors in this role, you know? Yeah. You know, I, I would say, imagine, you know, Jack Nicholson in it, but that's maybe that's about Schmidt, you know? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, Gerard Depardieu. Oh, God. <laughs> 
I could really see him in something like then that. Then I would be like, oh, yeah, he was totally being lecherous to Imogen Poots. Right. Um, this is, it's it's funny because looking up Florian Zeller on IMDb, it does say his black comedy play, The Father. And so now I'm just like, what the hell is this play like? <laughs> <clears throat> There's not like a single goddamn laugh in this movie. How? How does how does Floride and the play get labeled as comedies? That's that's strange hmm. to me. Well, he's you know he's really he's an interesting cat. He's forty one years old. He's written twelve plays, three novels. Um, he and and this is his first film as a director, and it's very very strong. Um, and if you read any of the, um, I, I spent a little time today reading, you know, watching some interviews and and reading some interviews with um, the editor and the production designer, mm-hmm. and they talk about working with him, and he was absolutely, totally in control, knew exactly what he wanted, collaborated really well, but had a very, very strong idea of what he wanted, you know, down to the down to the minutiae of the set. Um, I feel like um, it's it, it makes a lot of sense that if you know exactly what you want, you're a good collaborator because you can communicate your vision effectively. Yeah. It, yeah. <clears throat> I feel like the people who don't know what they want would be the worst collaborators because their their insecurity would get in the way of them even like taking a note or being able to give firm instructions. Right. Anyway, he's 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 going to be in, he's only forty one, so he's going to be around for a bit. It's going to be interesting to see what he does next. Ugh, prodigies. The yeah. son, you know, is French he's, prodigies. Yeah. The fucking yeah. I mean, that's the thing is you're like, oh, he's doing all this and he's forty one, and then you hear he's French and you're like, oh, well, of course. <laughs> totally makes sense um yeah uh it was funny because you 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 mentioned the editor and i definitely rewound the movie because i thought it says yorgos lanthimos when, uh, that's yeah. what i kept thinking yeah. i was like oh <laughs> not yorgos lamprimos so lamprinos yeah yeah i'm pretty Very sure that <laughs> they've gotten that a lot this awards season um but yes um and then like i said you know olivia williams olivia coleman i i definitely (laughs) in fact the second the the second that olivia williams showed up as Anne, i was like oh wow she looks oh wait that's is that a different person and i was like they look completely different i don't agree i think that they look more alike than they don't look alike. They could definitely one's be sisters. Big, one's got big eyes. One's got small eyes. That's the way I. <laughs> Which one has? I mean, the big their ones. hair is so different. But that's the thing is like it, okay, so I think part of my thought process was like I don't know how many days it's been. You know, that she she this, just ta- is... she was just talking about meeting a guy and going to Paris, and now they're like living with this dude who's not her first husband, and then in addition to that. I'm, you know, so I'm like, this could be like 10 years later and this could be a completely different looking woman, but still the same woman. Or this could be the sister, you know, (laughs) the dead sister. Well, I didn't know she was dead at that point. (laughs) Mm. I see Olivia Coleman and I think the favorite I see Olivia Williams and I think Rushmore. Um, It's very easy for me to keep them apart in my head. I definitely think the favorite for Coleman. And then I see Williams and I think Dollhouse. (laughs) Okay. Whatever works. Okay. Yeah. What do hmm, Olivia Williams? I hmm. I've seen her in a lot of Austin adaptations. Well, that's what <laughs> I think of. There's the first time I saw Olivia Coleman was in a movie. It's about ten years old, maybe older, called Tyrannosaur, um, where she plays an abused wife 
Um, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's very little known uh, Irish film, British film. I, I think it's Irish. Uh, and she's terrific. And it was the first time I'd um, seen her. And I was like, okay, this is somebody I got to keep my That was on. her breakout. I remember um, yeah. when that came out. Because that's got Peter and... Mullen in it, right? And it's like yes. written and directed by Patty, Patty Cons- Considine. Cons- yes, that's yes. correct. Yeah. 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 That's when she really started to blow up. But I, yeah. I've always loved her on Peep Show, um, which mm. is the, the British comedy. I highly recommend. It is absolutely hilarious. It's dark and sick and wonderful and just a really, really perfect comedy. And she um, she plays someone like you would never think, oh, this woman's going to win the Oscar one day. It was just <laughs> like playing like this dowdy um, love interest for for a prig. And over the years, I think they do some really good, funny stuff with her, probably because they discovered how how good she could be in a mm. role with personality instead of just being some like office toady type. And yeah, it's it's incredible where her career has gone. And, well, and I, she's marvelous in that small role in um, Fleabag. Um, as oh, yes. Of, yeah, <laughs> so yeah she's, she's great. I, I looked her up because I'm like, yeah, when did I first notice her? And I'd been seeing her for like a decade before I noticed her because she's in mm-hmm. Hot Fuzz. Um, again, she's in Tyrannosaur. She's in an episode oh, of Skins, uh, apparently. Coleman. I mean, yeah, she's 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 all over the place. And for some reason, she just never, never clicked with me until probably, unfortunately, um, uh, the favorite. Because that's, I only say unfortunately because that's so recent and she's been doing such good work for so right. long. Yeah. She was a voice in lock. I will let myself not be upset that I didn't realize that because uh, <laughs> Tom Hardy's the only face on screen there. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah I fell asleep during that one. She's good. She's the hotel manager in The Lobster, speaking of Yorgos Lanthimos. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Bananas. He's got a muse. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. I thought the favorite was that. De- I loved it. Thought it was one of my favorite films of that year. And when she won the Best Actress Oscar, when everybody thought Glenn Close was going to get it, I think I screamed. It was just so such a great moment for me. And I love Glenn Close, but get real, like she should have won for Dangerous Liaisons. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's a Dominic West starring version of Les Miserables. Um, there, yes, it's, the, it's yeah. the miniseries. And Olivia oh, Coleman yes. is Madame Thénardier. Thénardier, yes. Yeah. What My dream f- role. How am I only just learning about this now? What has my life been for the last two years? Been it's not fall? musical. I don't it's care. Not, then I'll watch it. Awesome. Then I'll watch it. If it's, not, if it's not Andrew Lloyd Webber, I'll watch it. That's crazy. <laughs> Where was I'm this? one of the few people that like the the musical lame is i liked the the you mean the the musical the cinema (laughs) like because i'm pretty sure fucking everyone loved the musical that was on the london stage and broadway um but yeah i liked i liked the hugh jackman starring les miserables yeah not a lot of people did though no i i understand it it's a little off-putting and uh you know it's it's what's his name is it tom hooper Hooper. Hooper yeah, with yes. his Dutch angles, Lord. Fucking, yes. yeah. And uh, I'm being dance, diplomatically right? silent. <laughs> you don't have to be. <laughs> I think he's the worst director of all time. <laughs> really? Oh, I, I, think it's, I think he's that absolute middle-brow junk. 
I mean, he's he, he he loves his uh, his wide angles right up in people's faces, and um, I don't he did know. Do cats? He did do cats. Yeah, he fucking did cats. <laughs> oh I mean, god, okay, that explains uh, everything. <laughs> I I can't. I'm gonna just say uh, out loud that I think I've only seen the Les Misérables from him. <laughs> Uh, what about the King's speech? I did not see the King's speech. Oh, then you're a wow. lucky man. That was 2010. Wow. I was definitely drunk that year. Kind of like the King's speech, like, but not. I didn't overly love it. I love the Social Network. Still well, there's, there's performances that are good in his films. That's that's kind of the thing. I mean, he gets he gets really good actors in yeah. them. So you know, there is there is somewhere in London. There is a factory where they make oscar-winning movies um and <laughs> and the king's speech came out of that factory yep stamped <laughs> marketed colin firth jeffrey rush helena bottom carter yeah no yeah. i've only seen les miserables i have not seen i haven't even seen his dark materials the tv show <laughs> don't bother <laughs> jesus <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, I can't be a hater, too? No, you're allowed to be. It's just, I even even in my most hateful moments, I don't think I've ever audibly shuddered. <laughs> I shudder at a lot of things. <laughs> anyway, um, now I want to watch Tyrannosaur. Love me oh, you should. Uh, sure. and Peter it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not easy to take in some scenes, but it's... Just, just don't watch it around your 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 brewery partner Arthur. He's gonna be like, "What the fuck is wrong?" With it's you? like Get Bill out of here. needs an intervention right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, I have to ask, what did Cora think of this movie? Uh, she did not get a chance to watch it. I was gonna watch it in front of her because I was like, "Whatever, it can't be that bad." But then I just decided not to, so she didn't get to see it. Man, she's really missing out on these last few films that you watched. I know. Uh, she did come downstairs last night while I was watching The Wire. Uh, she was... <laughs> Daddy, deep. why are they all saying fuck? <laughs> I can't even... I, she did have a quite... Oh, I think... So someone had just gotten yelled at by, like, a police chief or something. And she said, uh, that man is mad. And I said, yeah. And... um she said, why is he mad? Because she hadn't even, <laughs> she didn't even see it. She was walking down the stairs and like stopped because the level of anger from the television was such that I think she knew I was going to pause it before she could come down. <laughs> How old is this child? Mad. She is four. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We've yeah, established... probably a little bit too young for the wire. Just a wee bit. <laughs> We've established she has very good taste. She really enjoyed Minari, even though she couldn't read. Mm. And... She liked Raya well enough. And she did um, not like Martin Eden, which I agree with. So <laughs> <laughs> doing a great job. Oh, she also liked uh, Mid- One Night in Miami. Oh, she did. Okay. Yes. Have it's you shown her singing in the rain yet? I have not. No. Um, in terms of live action musicals, she she saw Newsies, not the Christian Bale Newsies. She saw the <laughs> Broadway production that oh, was wow. on Netflix for a while. Which, uh, I don't know, maybe it's on Disney now, because that's a Disney property. If you can find the Broadway filmed production of Newsies, watch it, because those guys are talented. Um, I watched Singing in the Rain with my older daughter when she was five, so a little older. She had no idea what was going on, but she demanded that we watch it again and again for like the next month. Um, (laughs) And 
and and That's sang all the sang all the songs with made up lyrics that were hilarious. Um, so I recommend that highly. My daughter did How that. How old is she now? She's she's twenty six. Okay, <laughs> and still sings the songs from that musical with with demented lyrics. <laughs> Love um, it. What was it? My daughter did that with Rango. She demanded oh. to see the lizard movie, and then I was like, "Yeah, totally." And I put it on, and I was like, "Wow, I forgot everything about this movie." <laughs> And then we had to watch it like three times a day for the next two weeks. <laughs> but there were just I so did, many yeah. questions she had that I had no answers to. At some point, we'll have to do an anniversary episode of Richie Rich because that is the movie I would just watch and rewind immediately wow. when it was done and then oh watch it again. I'm sure I've God. mentioned this. It's like not, a, I mean, in hindsight, not a great movie. Why did I love this movie so much? I love how you have to say in hindsight as though it's just obviously. <laughs> I loved it when movie. I was seven. I saw it in the theater. So that's your that's your footy pajama movie. I have a, I have a theory. I call it the footy pajama theory that there are certain cultural artifacts that we see when we're still in footy pajamas that you will never have any critical distance on whatsoever. Yes. Yeah. Um, even as an adult, right, even like as a top film gun. critic. Right. Right. Okay. I have whatever, so many whatever movies it is. like that. Adam's Family Values. Election. Sandlot. Oh, Sandlot's yeah, a big Sandlot's one. Great. Yeah. The Land Before Time. <laughs> eh, I didn't like that one as a kid. You can go straight to hell with that oh. opinion. Um, <laughs> come on now. Ducky. Come on. You hey, got fucky ducky. ducky. Yep, yep, and yep. Because I'm a generation older than you guys. I'm a generation older than you guys, so my footy pajama theories movies are are like Wizard of Oz and do you guys even know who uh, Don not do you even know who yes, Don? Yes, of course. Yeah, he's the okay. bug-eyed weirdo. Yes. Okay. He made kitty movies when I was a kid that uh, I actually just wrote about him for the globe that, you know, are absolutely is it, is it terrible. He in Herbie? No, he's not in Herbie, but he's in everything okay. else that Disney makes. <laughs> the, the incredible Mr. Limpet, the ghost and Mr. Chicken, shakiest gun in the West. Brilliant, brilliant cin- cinematic classics as far as I, nine-year-old me was concerned. Mm. <laughs> Robin, I, I have good one. news for you. Richie Rich is presently on HBO Max. Oh, snap. Gonna make my husband rewatch that. We just watched Jungle 2 Jungle uh, on Friday. Oh, the Tim Uh, Allen where he's got the sun for some reason in the jungle and Martin Short's there and they're talking about like coffee futures. Yes. Why would you do that? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Jesus, Brian. Yeah. Okay. So here's the deal, Bill. It really is. And the Russian mob. Yeah. It's such a French movie trapped in an American movie because it was a French movie. It was, yes. I um, What was it? So my daughter has begun watching The Cat in the Hat, knows a lot about that, which is... Um, oh, not the Mike Myers movie? No, no, no. It's like oh. an animated <laughs> Magic School Bus-esque, but for younger children... <laughs> Because if you show her the Mike Myers movie, I'm calling social services. Oh, I would I would never do that to her. I would bring her okay. to like a live animal sacrifice uh, before okay. I would show her. That's the... educational, at least. Right. Yeah. No, it's like, yeah, see, there's the heart. That's what pumps the blood through the body. The Mike Myers movie is like there was a lot of bad decisions made in Hollywood. <laughs> Cocaine. But um, <laughs> so so it's it's the cat in the hat knows a lot about that. Like I said, it's like a it's like a younger kids version of the magic school bus um and martin short is the voice of the cat um mm-hmm. he does he does very well with it but for whatever reason she was she was you know watching it and i just got stuck in my head the fucking martin short saying something about certificates to a big russian guy <laughs> because the way he yes, says certificates yes. is so specific 
and Martin Short esque. And the guy is like in his library and like also says something about scruples. And I'm just like, there's for whatever reason, I remember a weird amount of that movie. That um, is bizarre that you remember anything about it because I definitely didn't. And I saw it at the premium age that I should have. What was and, it? There's what, uh, you know, when you're done using toilet, put the seat down. Women and tribes start war over this. Many deaths. Oh, God. Why do you remember this? I just I'm trying to bleach my brain from it. I watched three horrible movies this weekend. Jungle to Jungle, which was a rewatch. I watched the 1967 Camelot, which was terrible. Camelot? And (laughs) the United States versus Billie Holiday. And I feel really sorry for myself that I watched all of these three films. But with Jungle to Jungle, I had, I definitely thought Sam um, Sam Huntington (laughs) was very cute when I was 10 years old. And I was very shocked to discover that my adult crush in this movie was Martin Short. as i've never had an attraction to martin short in my life but for some reason like him playing a a priggish guy uh with glasses and like dark hair really did it for me and just forget about the fact that that is a great description of my husband like he i don't know there's just something about him in this movie where i was like hey martin short never thought this way before I um I just want to say that I'm I'm upset with you because you said the United States versus Billy Holiday and for whatever reason everything you were saying just made me think that you were going to say the United States of Leland. No, a movie that I had forgotten not. existed until my brain filled it in, and now I hate you. Um, that's another thing. Like we so, were talking, so you're saying she's basically a Google search field. And you just <laughs> right. you pre-populated my it. my brain is doing the autofill and it's never good. Um, God, I can tell. God, yeah, the United States. All right. Anyway, we can't we can't talk about United States of Leland. Um, that though that is a naming Tara? convention that I fucking also <laughs> hate. Uh, we were talking earlier, like you know the the wife, the whatever's wife, the thing, and um, the United States of blank can go United straight States to hell. Of Al. I was thinking about that exact phenomenon earlier today and how annoying it is. It's like American whatever, you know, we got the American horror story, American. Well, that's that's mainly just one guy. No, (laughs) American crime story. (laughs) No, because American made was a thing, you know. Okay. American hustle. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, oh, we're going to make this, you know, we've got American this history X. sort of dumb story, but we're going to make it tie into like America. We're going to call it the American whatever. Um, America. American train robbery. Anyway, uh, so yes. Um, do do we have any other final thoughts on the father? We've strayed. We've strayed <laughs> so far from the father. We all liked it, which is really not, not, has not been happening the last few weeks. And usually I like something the most. Bill straddles and then uh <laughs> brian fucking hates yeah i feel like we all kind of like this movie to some degree or another. We're, we're turning a corner on this thing proud maybe. of us i do want to say that a a very kind listener reached out to me on twitter to see if i was doing okay <laughs> and um i haven't responded to you but i did see it and it meant a lot that you reached out because the answer to your question is no i'm not but thank you you're um, <laughs> clearly every not. week is like therapy session <laughs> but like not a good one like that one that helps me in any way <laughs> i mean sometimes you have to the only way 
through is through. I, that's, that's <laughs> the only way, way out is it. through. Is that what <laughs> you were trying to say? I don't know, man. The know. only way through is she through. tried. She tried. Yeah. I tried. So apparently, right now, I can watch the United States of Leland on Plex. I don't even know what Plex is. The fact that you even Googled it. <laughs> yeah, that you looked that up. You know, I actually had to look that up. I, I realized. I would want to ask myself, did I see that movie? And then I realized I actually reviewed it. So that's, <gasps> oh, you know, poor thing. Yeah. Wow. That's how much brain space it takes up in my head. I am. Um, this is, this is one of those movies that like it, there is a part of me that is deeply, I would say confused or I- infatuated by its mere existence because it's like the, the cast on this thing, Don Cheadle, Ryan Gosling, Chris Klein, when that meant something, Jenna Malone. <laughs> Did it ever mean something? Honey? Kevin Spacey, you know, Michelle Williams, Martin Donovan, whom I love and will brook no quarry. Uh, Carrie Washington, Sherilyn Fenn. It's crazy. Michael Payne is apparently in this thing. And, and it's written and directed by some motherfucker I've never heard of who has not done anything since. And I'm just like, well, that's what, not very nice. What's this? I, you know, I, I, or I don't know if he's a motherfucker. It's written by some guy who has not done anything since, and I've never heard of. It's just like, what was his life? He did something called self storage, and then four years later, United States of Leland, which I think was a heavy rotation in the trailers on the Focus feature DVDs I was buying at the time, <laughs> and then nothing. What happened to him? Hmm. hmm. Reach out, Matthew know, Ryan. Life's, <laughs> life's a mystery. Yeah. Anyway. He's um, Florian just get Zeller. the hell out of here. <laughs> I was going to say, Bill, is that actually like, is that is that like the tagline to United States of Leland? But it is not. I thought you were making a joke. Crime, confusion, compassion, they're all just states of mind. <laughs> I'm so upset. Can with I ask myself. you guys something? Please yeah, do. Um. When I reviewed this, I, I I said, you know, there aren't that many, there aren't that many great films about old, there aren't many films at all about old age, and there are even fewer great films about old age. And I don't know whether this one, you know, it's going to take time, obviously, whether this, to see where this shakes out. But what do you, you know, I kind of have, have a short list of, of movies that are great movies about old people, which is oh. traditionally a subject that commercial films steers away from because it's depressing. Um, are we not talking about be, Grumpy Old Men? <laughs> no, oh, I love that about, movie. You know what? Yes, we are talking about Grumpy Old Men. I um, love that movie. One of my favorites. Yeah. But I'm just curious, you know, are there any that for you are sort of on the short list? Up? Yeah. Uh, uh, as yeah, as no, a person up. who has recently watched Up about four times, mm-hmm. um, because my daughter loves Up, um, I, I actually, should. I find that the more I watch it, the more I'm I've that is like one of my if not my favorite um Pixar films because it does I think that one of the issues with calling a movie like a more or even the father about old age is that it <clears throat> pigeonholes the experience of old age as being like you're gonna lose it all, it's gonna suck, and you're gonna die. And I think that up one of the things that it captures is that it's like you can still do things. There's still new stuff to experience, but you should also like really truly value everything that you already did because you are coming to the end 
and you might not have reached what you thought was the destination that you wanted, but the journey you had might have been better than you were expecting anyway. And there's also still time. That's really nice. That's good. And, and there are movies, I think, that deal with old age that way. I'm thinking of The Straight Story, the mm-hmm. David Lynch yeah. movie. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's yeah. a wonderful, wonderful film. Um, there's uh, uh, Beginners with... Um, oh, Beginners yes. Rules. Mm. That's a yeah. great movie. That's another one that I think I think has that same kind of yep. up energy where it's like, you know, we, we've, we, we're, let's look back on everything we've done. Let's realize we have places to go. That movie is bracketed by the fact that he is dying for some of its run. Yes. Um, but I think that it does a good job of not making that the thing that defines his character. It more defines his son's character. Mm. Right? Which I think, I, you, got, you know, is probably how it works for a lot of people. My husband um, and I just watched um, Mrs. Palfrey at the Claremont. Which oh, is, uh, I love that movie. Yeah, Joan Where did Plowright. you find it? It's, 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 fi- it's hard to find. Where did you find it? Surreptitious means. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that is that that's on my short list. It's uh, it's not a well-known movie, but she is. And it is about friendship and old age, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. which is is something rare. Yeah, really, really enjoyed that one. And I love her. Yeah. Always have loved her. Have any of you guys seen a movie from the 1930s called Make Way for Tomorrow? No, I um, That is one of the I would call a legitimately great movie about old age. And it is pretty bleak especially in the context of 1930s movies you look at this movie <laughs> you look at this movie and you can't believe it came out of studio hollywood mm. because it's honest it's honest in a way that you're like holy shit they, <laughs> you know how'd they get away with this um it's about a, a an elderly couple played by thomas mitchell the character actor and um oh no no, no it's not thomas mitchell it's uh it's uh, now i'm gonna have to look it up victor moore um and beulah mm. bondi who's also a, a character actor um and they they lose their house and have to go live with their children and their children are busy and they eventually get separated. Um, and it's an absolute tearjerker. But oh. again, and but but again, in a way that like, like a in a way similar to Amour, in a way similar to some of the things this movie does, its honesty feels um, right and you don't begrudge the honesty. It feels like it's telling you the truth about something that every now and that our culture lies through its teeth about because it's Mm. terrified. And every now and then it's good to have somebody tell you the truth about it. And that's all right. It's on my list now. (laughs) (laughs) Orson Welles. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page. Orson Welles says it will make a stone cry. So I got to see it now. Yeah, it's on. It's it's, there's a criterion disc. I don't know if it's on the channel right now. Oh, Oh, right. And it was the, an influence on Tokyo Story, which is another great movie about old age. Mm. Oh, the old man and the gun. Now I think about it. Huh. I think um, the old man and the sea. <laughs> <laughs> I think in, in looking at movies about old age, I, I specifically tend away from the ones where it's about the the dying part. Because, uh, again, I, I feel like that's that's very reductive. And it's almost like... um. It's kind of like why people are afraid of old people anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like a reminder of mortality. So it is, it's awesome watching like the old man in the gun and seeing this guy like do so, do something that he loves and is good at. <laughs> um, 
and and be old. I remember watching that with my parents, and they liked it, but my mother did at some point say, like, oh, God, look at how old he is. Oh, God, look at how old Sissy Spacek <laughs> is. Um, and, can um, I ask how old you are? Uh, I am 33. Ah, okay. Um, I got 30 years on you. Uh, and um, my perspective on these movies is different than when I was 33. I will say that much. Um, I, like I said, I kind of welcome the ones that I feel like are... are, are I, you know, I, yeah, I don't, I don't mind the ones that are that are bleak because I feel like uh, I don't know. It's, I don't mind like the bleakness. It's but honest, here, right? What's what's yeah. weird yeah. for me is that I I like to say that I've lived my life in reverse um, in terms mm. of the big things. So like growing up, you know, my parents are like, oh, one of these days, all your friends are going to get married, then they're going to have kids, and then they're going to start to die. Um, that is You're that is my like forty years, right? That, that basically, they're like the, these are the like these are the things that happen. You suddenly start realizing that all your friends are getting married. Then you're going to realize they're all having children, and then you're going to start realizing that they're starting to die. And instead, for me, it was everyone's fucking dying on me. Now there's some kids. Now there's some marriages, and now there's some more kids. So like, mm. I when I see when I think of people dying. And going to funerals and saying goodbye to people, it, it only recently has begun to be old people. Mm. For me, a lot of it was like, oh, there's the 19-year-old, you know, that I've known for 14 right. years. Like, there's the 32-year-old who, you know, got cancer for no fucking good reason. You know, like, there's, it's, it, for me, I'm still not used to the concept of the old dying. I'm much more used to, to like, people my age dying. Which is, you know, weird. <laughs> so, you know, I think that that's part of it. Like, I'll I'll watch a movie about a young person dying and go like, yep, that's life. But like, I if I feel like I'm just the way that my life is shaken out is if I get to be, you know, 70 plus, I'm going to try to enjoy it. <laughs> I'm going right. to because I've already gotten a lot farther than a lot of other people that I've known. Yeah. As and well, I as well, you should. Yep. Yeah. I think similarly. My parents died when I was like 18 and 19. And so I (laughs) kind of feel like, oh, I'm good now. (laughs) Like I've been through that. I don't have to deal with that anymore. Obviously, that's like not true. And there'll be many points in my life where I'll have to deal with the decline of elderly uh, elders in my my life. But um, having having gone through that at a young age, your my perspective is like, Man, I hope I make it past forty. <laughs> like, you know, Robin, can I tell you something? Um, yeah, you, you, that's a big moment. So, my dad died when I was ten, uh, mm-hmm. almost ten, nine, um, and he was fifty-seven. And the year I turned mm-hmm. fifty-eight was unexpectedly this huge psychological relief. It was like forty pounds lifted off my shoulders mm-hmm. that I hadn't realized I'd been carrying for decades. So I'm here to tell you, when you hit those milestones, it's very freeing. It's very liberating. Um, so I, I appreciate that. that. I thank yeah. you. I, I appreciate that. And I think in some ways, too, what you, you said just reminded me, which is, you know, my my mother being a sick woman since mm-hmm. her very young age, um, you know, in my, my life, I've always lived in the, under the specter that I could develop the same illness that she has. Mm-hmm. And I've been waiting and waiting, waiting to get me past 35, you know, <laughs> like yep. I, I th- always in fear that one day I would wake up and start 
um, having the same kind of hallucinations she did or hearing voices or things of that nature. And I'm, I'm 32. <laughs> just like, get me past 35, right. but I will. And, and, yeah. And when you, when you cross that barrier, it's going to be a relief like you've never known. So mm-hmm. you have that to look forward Thank to. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. I really, I really do take that to heart. Thank you. Yeah. Well, on that very happy note. <laughs> I was just thinking like, well, my parents are still alive, so I don't even know what I should be hoping for in (laughs) terms of like, enjoy them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like they're gonna them. pass when they're ninety-seven, and then I'm gonna be like, "Great, now I gotta wait until I'm ninety-seven to feel the existential weight lift <laughs> off of me." <laughs> but people don't get over it. I mean, it doesn't matter how old you are, um, whether you're a sixty-five-year-old person losing your parent or a ten-year-old or whatever. Uh, obviously, the circumstances are different, but the the loss is is just as psychically damaging in some ways mm-hmm. i think especially if you've had your parent your whole life and right. you got to see them through so many different stages uh going from like authoritarian to friend um i think losing them after that stage would probably be so so hard oh no watching watching the way that my mother has dealt with the loss of her parents has has been informative for me i do somehow wonder if i'm going to greet it on my end a little a little better a little differently just because like mm-hmm. i i've found that i am able to handle people dying of natural causes with a level of like grace and being okay with it that is probably a a quote unquote gift from right. all the people who've died either through suicide or senseless violence mm-hmm. in my life mm-hmm. right um, so I do wonder that, like, I, if, if like, if it's like, you know, the big C or dementia that just eventually leads to, you know, total cognitive collapse and eventual death, I might just be like, all right, that's good. Like, that's the way it's supposed to happen. You know, you went home, God took you. That's fine. At least you didn't, you know, fucking ace yourself like a coward. You know, at least you're not choosing to leave me the way that other people have. Like, that's kind of where my psychic scarring comes from. Mm. so yeah i don't know that'll be interesting though yeah um you know based on uh how long i've been doing this podcast odds are i'll still be doing it so everyone can look forward to that in 20 to 30 years hearing about that um do we have any final thoughts either about uh life and its tenuous existence or the father or anything else before we wrap up for the night well, I know that Hopkins is not going to win on Sunday, but I was very happy about the BAFTA yep. because he really, really, truly deserved something for that performance. Um, and we know Why that do we think Chadwick, he's not going to win? Chadwick Boseman has won pr- almost every precursor award. Uh, oh, right. And yeah, that's for know, that movie that I didn't see, right? Right. Yeah, Ma Rainey. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and then the Academy loves it when somebody gives a really somebody young gives a really great performance and dies. Um mm-hmm. that is true. Heath they do Ledger. Love that. Um they should have given yeah. it to the five bloods, uh, but you know, we'll we'll be cool yeah. with it. Yeah, I well, yeah, I, I don't necessarily disagree, but uh that's what it is. And and you know, if you do see Ma Rainey, um, you know, it's very much a play that's been put onto film, but he gives a hell of a performance, and so does Violet does. Davis. Yeah, he's, Both he's are great. excellent in it. Yeah, everybody's great in it. It's, a, it's an actor's playground. Yes, definitely. Um, 
Very sweaty movie, too. Oh, yes. my God. The makeup. <laughs> They're, the makeup's going to win. And the costuming is going to win. Because they're sweating so much? Um, you'd have to see it. It's just. <laughs> well, most of it yeah, takes place in a basement. So yeah. in, in, in the South. So I know it's in Chicago. Excuse me. So And the summer. I was. Right. Um, so my final thought was going to be, it's good to see Rufus Sewell again. And um, I, yes. went, I went to look it up. And he's in that movie Old that's coming out this year. Mm. What is that film? With M. Night, M. Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan. Oh, right. Oh, who uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> which is which is, which is now? It, it's yes. so funny. He's it, like even throughout my lifetime, just watching him. He's had such a a up and down and up. I feel like he's back on that upswing a little bit, where it's just like, oh, people are like, oh, an M Night movie. Okay, yeah, interesting. I am. I am. Whereas myself. for about five years, it was like, <laughs> fuck that guy. <laughs> right. I'm fully back on board with M Night now. He, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's kind of nuts. Like if you if you told me like seven years ago, like you know, you're going to be super psyched for an M Night Shyamalan film. I would have yeah. laughed at you. I would have been like, well, there's a twist that's never going to happen. Uh, but here we are. <laughs> I will say that Glass was n- not remotely what I was hoping for, but I still want to see this new one. I still, you know, you, you can't count the guy out. Um, I am. Um, which- I, I loved Glass. I, it was not okay. what I was hoping for. It was something beyond what I even would have expected, but I loved it. And um, so yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited to see. What the fuck is going on with old? Um, it has Vicky Kreps in it from Phantom Phantom of Thread. Oh, so I'm, already, I love I'm her. already signed up. I'm signed up. There we so. go. There yeah. we go. Yeah, it's got a. It's got a lot. Alex of Wolf, my boyfriend. It, okay. Who 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 be Alex Wolf? Oh, okay. Yeah, I know him. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> hereditary. Um, <laughs> anyway, so that's it for today. I uh, hope you, you have enjoyed this uh, wide-ranging conversation, which began with us talking about the father, and ended up with us talking about how we view uh, the end of life. Um, and a movie called Old. And a, and a movie <laughs> called Old. Uh, which, hey, maybe Full when circle. we maybe when we come back, this will be a movie about aging that we uh, we think is. Probably not, but who knows? Anyway, that's it for today. Uh, don't forget that we are brought to you by Mubi. M-U-B-I dot com slash filmstage. Gets you a free 30-day trial of Mubi where you can watch uh, Cat of Nine Tales and The Crazies as part of their um, Romero and Argento retrospective. And don't forget that you can go to patreon.com slash show to give us your money. And uh, that's uh, that's about it. Robin, what are we talking about next week? Uh, next week, we're actually off because of the Oscars and needing a little break. Um, but I think the next episode, which is, I think film or films records uh, around May 1st, is going to be our Tree of, like, uh, Tree of Life anniversary show. Yay. Nice. Yeah. Still working on guests for that. Super amped. Cannot wait. Um... Can't wait to shit on it can't wait to talk about a good movie well actually i can't say that anymore because i i thought the father was pretty good um (laughs) i really don't hate the tree of life (laughs) i just like hurting you are you gonna watch the extended edition or are you gonna watch the theatrical edition the theatrical isn't the extended it is no it is not uh we'll see what i have access to okay anyway um i'm gonna watch every edition i can get my hands on um sick you are sick sir 
I, it's a great movie. What can I say? It, it's you know I watched fucking Kong versus Godzilla twice. I can at least watch the Tree of Life twice. Anyway, uh, so let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time. Let us begin with our guest Tyber. Where can people find your work online? You can find me at the Boston Globe, uh, BostonGlobe.com or Globe.com actually, um, and pretty much there. All right, Bill Graham. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CableBFG, and you can also find me on Instagram at Billstagram. And of course, I have a lot of catching up to do on our Slack channel. Oh boy, it it got really busy all of a sudden. So, yes, indeed, Robin Barr. You can find me on Twitter at R O B Y N B A H R. You can also find some of my work at thehollywoodreporter.com. All right. As for me, uh, you can find me on all the social media sites at Brian J. Rowan. And, of course, uh, my personal site, brianjrowan.com. And you can find uh, stuff that I've written, like my review of Glass, over at thefilmstage.com, where you can also find every episode of this podcast. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we won't be here next week, so I can't say my usual thing. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, and tune in the week after next. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs>